the invitation this weekend is come fly with us. So when you hear that invitation from Willingdon Church, what kind of questions come up in your mind? Maybe you ask, well, who's the pilot? Does he know where he's going? What's the destination? Who's on the flight? If when you hear the invitation, you imagine a flock of birds instead of a plane, then maybe you engage in some personal reflection like, am I able to fly? (laughs) Maybe it feels like you're flying into strong headwinds and it's raining hard. You've been working really hard to fly, but you're just tired. What do you hear when you hear the invitation, come fly with us? Maybe you feel like if you get to the edge of the nest and actually jump out, you're just going to go down and crash. The main point of this message is that if you respond to that invitation to fly with us, you need to know the pilot and know why you're flying with him. Do you need to know us? Yeah, for sure. But most importantly, you need to know the pilot and know why you're flying with him. We're in Exodus chapter 19. We've been walking through the first chapters of Exodus all summer long, and uh, we have seen God rescue Israel from Egypt. They're on a miraculous flight. They walk out of Egypt. They wander toward the Red Sea. They're up against the Red Sea, and God opens the waters for them. They walk through on dry ground. They've now been on this journey, on this flight, for a few months. And as we open the scriptures today, they're at the base of a mountain. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So where are Moses and the people of Israel? Well, they're, they're camped in the desert. They're not at an oasis. They're in the wilderness. Rocks, sand. The scriptures say on that day, when we read that phrase, we should understand in God's timing, under his sovereign hand, they're at the base of a mountain. Which mountain? Well, they're at the foot of the mountain where Moses was called by God, Mount Sinai. There's no conclusive evidence, but it's believed the traditional site for Mount Sinai is on the Sinai Peninsula. It is this gigantic fist just jutting out of the desert floor. It goes up about 7,500 feet. Today, many refer to it as Jebel Musa. That is Mount Sinai where the people of Israel heard God speak. That's where Moses first heard God speak at the fiery burning bush. 
As he listened to the word of the Lord, all kinds of questions came up in his heart. He said, well, who am I, God? And who are you? I don't know you. And if you're sending me to the people of Israel, will they believe that you have sent me? Do I have the capacity to do what you're calling me to do? And what did God say to him? Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. This is what God says to him. But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So the life of Moses has come full circle. The God who promised to be with him has, in fact, been with him. God here is confirming his calling on the life of Moses. Not only have the people of Israel been freed from Egypt, they've arrived at the mountain. So if you're going to fly with Willingdon this year, the first thing you need to know is know that the pilot will keep his word and get you to your destination. Know that the pilot will keep his word to you and will get you to your destination. What does that mean for us? Well, when God says that he's going to be with a person, that means that he will enable that person to fulfill his or her calling. God said that he would be with Moses. Jesus says the same thing to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. When he's sending out his disciples to make other disciples, he says, be sure of this. Be sure of this. I am with you to the end of the age. So he promises to be present in the lives of the disciples to empower them, enable them to follow the calling on their lives. Of course, what's the question? The question is, what's the destination? Look at chapter 19, verse 3. Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel. This verse is is poetry. There's two parallel statements, a hinge word, and then two other parallel statements. It begins with, Moses went up to God, and then there's a parallel statement, the Lord called to him out of the mountain. Moses went up to God. This is the place where he first met God, and so when the people of Israel arrive at the mountain, he rushes up the mountain. He wants to be with God. He needs to be with God. Much later, the prophet Isaiah will describe a similar experience of being in God's presence. This is a verse we already read today, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But they who wait for the Lord, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're at the gate waiting for the plane to show up, just waiting for something to happen? Is it, is it wasted time? Time we didn't plan to spend there? Is it smartphone time? What kind of time is it? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That means that they shall find endless supplies of fresh strength. So waiting on the Lord is not wasted time. It is revival time. It's a time of prayer and repentance. It's a time of hearing from God. It's a time of receiving fresh vision from the Lord. It says, they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. 
What a beautiful picture. So the pictures of an eagle mounting up, powerful wings, catching the updrafts, entering the jet stream. There's an eagle called the step eagle. This eagle is found in Central Asia, Eastern Europe. This eagle migrates from its summer dwellings to its wintering spot in Africa. Central Africa, sometimes even South Africa. This eagle flies in its migratory path over the Sinai Peninsula. This eagle is known to fly 4,000 kilometers without landing. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, the eagle catches the updrafts, enters the jet stream, and just soars. So that's the picture. Those that wait on the Lord... Their strength is renewed, and they soar like eagles. What would that be like if we, as God's people, waited on the Lord, sat on his presence, caught the updrafts of the Spirit, caught his vision for our lives and what he wants to do in our day, and we would soar like eagles? There's a beautiful thing in this verse here. Did you notice that as Moses goes up to be with God, that God calls out to him. Moses' eagerness to be with God is met immediately by God's earnest desire to be with him. Sometimes the image that we have in our minds is is like an airplane, and between the passengers and the pilot, there is an armored security door. It's a door that you're never going to break through, and there's an electronic code locking device, and so you're trying to talk to the pilot. You're banging on the door. You're scrambling to try and decipher that electronic code, and you realize you're never going to get in there. We should never have that kind of picture in mind when we think of sitting in God's presence, going to meet him. When we go to meet God, God is more eager than we are to meet us. (laughs) We are invited into the presence of the Lord through Jesus. The door has been blasted open into the Father's presence. So as we begin this year and we hear the invitation, come fly with us. May we know that if we go to the pilot, he will come to meet us. Know that if you go to the pilot, he will come to meet you. So this is where our year should begin, with the Lord. Moses, if you read through Exodus chapter 19 through 40, Moses goes up to be with the Lord seven times. Later, he goes to meet with the Lord in the tent of meeting. He lives in the presence of God and out of the presence of God. It's a pattern in his life. If we read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus, he draws away from the crowds to be with the Father 45 times. His life, it begins in prayer. It ends in prayer. Every major turning point in the life of Jesus, he goes to be with the Father. The busier he gets, the more time he spends with the Father. And we are to imitate him. What are the challenges that you face this year? Maybe you are a student and you're in a new school. 
And you have all all kinds of questions in your mind as to how the year is going to go. Maybe you have embarked on a new career. It's a new job. And you're just praying for God's favor. Maybe you're new to Willingdon. And you're wondering what it's going to be like to walk with this family. Or maybe you're new to Canada. You're a new immigrant and you're just wrestling to try to figure this place out. How could the year be different? What would be the most important investment that you could make this year? Well, the most important investment that you could make would be to make being with God your number one priority. Bill Hybels has written a book with a great title, Too Busy Not to Pray. Too Busy Not to Pray. And he writes this in that book. People who are really interested in hearing from God must pay a price. They must discipline themselves to be still before God. So the first thing you need to do if you want to meet with God is be intentional. It requires some discipline. You need a time. You need a place. Sometimes when we think about meeting with God, oh, boy, it's that summer experience on the top of a mountain. Now, for many of us, that's a rare experience. Or we may think of a log cabin. Boy, it would be nice to be in that remote place, that silent place. But we need an everyday place. (laughs) We need a room. We need a den, an office. Maybe it's your closet. Maybe there's a lot of people in your house, and the only quiet place you can find is your closet. It's okay. God can meet with you there. Charles Swindle, his mother, she had some children. Her place to meet with God was the bathroom. So in the bathroom, she had a shelf with her Bible and some books. And that, she would close the door, put up a do not disturb sign. And that was where she read the scriptures and prayed and sung and worshiped. That was where she met with God. We can all find a place and a time requires some discipline. And then secondly, we need a Bible, a pen, and a writing pad. Or if you're a bit more modern, a smartphone with the Bible on it, and maybe you write on your smartphone, maybe you write on your iPad, but you need to record what God is saying to you. I find I need a real Bible like this, something I can touch something I can mark, I can write in. I need to write things down. As I read the word and I hear from God, I need to write it down. It becomes your personal journal, your personal record of God speaking to you. This summer, I was reading through my journal from 2012. What an encouragement to go back and read and remember what God was saying to me at that time through his word as I spent time in prayer. People, if you do that, if you exercise the discipline to it, if you make that a priority, your number one investment, it will change your studies, it'll change your dating, it'll change the way that you engage in church, it'll change your career, it will change your life. Because you'll realize that the God that was present to meet with Moses is present to meet with you. God has a word for you today. 
God speaks a lot more than we're willing to, to listen. Well, Moses went up to be in the presence of God, and he heard from the Lord. And what he heard from the Lord, it's similar to what we will hear from the Lord. What does he hear? Verse 4. This is what he's supposed to say to the people of Israel. This is the message. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So, Moses is to say to the people of Israel, you yourselves, it's emphatic. It's not that you were up in the bleachers watching from a distance. No, you were on the playing field. You were right in the front row, right on the field. You saw it, you yourselves. Saw how I brought you out, how I fought for you, how I rescued you. And then he says, how I bore you on eagles' wings. This is a beautiful picture as well. You know, eaglets, uh, they spend about 100 days in the nest, growing. And then the day comes when the eagle stirs up the nest, and it's time for the eaglet to fly. And some eaglets make it on the first flight, some don't. And so if that eaglet is falling, the mother eagle swoops down and picks the eaglet up on its wings and carries it back to the nest. This is the image that God is using to communicate with the people of Israel. I bore you on eagles' wings. You were in Egypt. You were Jumping out of the nest, you were walking toward freedom. You had never been on this journey before. You were in danger of starvation. You were in danger of enemy attack. And I carried you on my wings. I provided manna in the morning, quail in the afternoon, water from the rock. When you were under attack, I protected you. You walked. You were totally dependent on my protection and tender care. I carried you on eagles' wings. Moses remembers this in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And in verse 10, he writes, He found him, Israel, in a desert land. And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. So Moses is to say to the people, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You saw how I bore you on eagles' wings. And you saw how I brought you to myself. I set you apart to belong to me. I set you apart. I passed over your homes. You left and I led you The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. I have fulfilled my promise and I have brought you to this place so that you might live in relationship with me. So what do we need to know if we're going to receive the invitation to fly? Know that the pilot got us on the plane and enabled us to fly. Know that. Know that the pilot got you on the plane And that he will enable you, has enabled you, to fly. Those baptized today in in the three services, they, they know that they were saved from bondage to sin. They understand that Jesus is their Savior 
and Lord. The message to them is that God will continue to carry them. As they walk through life, they will have wonderful experiences. They will also face difficult moments. But the good news is that God will not leave them. He will carry them as he carried the people of Israel. God will continue to go before them. And these people that have been baptized will continue to experience God. What's the message for us that have been following Jesus for some time? Well, we need to remember that God saved us by his grace. We need to remember. That's why we keep a journal of God's words to us. We need to remember how God has spoken to us, how he has been faithful to his word. Last weekend, Pastor Willie was talking about the move from Alberta to B.C., bring cash, and he didn't bring enough. And so here he is, living in this region, thinking about what is it going to look like to find a place in this area. Well, he can remember how God has been faithful to him along the way. Last weekend, I was with a couple, and the couple was just talking about their experience in moving to this area, and they were just praising God for the way that he had provided, and that has been the experience of many of you as well. And so as I heard this testimony, I said to them, you go tell Pastor Willie how he provided for you. Encourage him. And we need to remember what this is all about in the end. Israel. The exodus of Israel was never just about getting Israel out of Egypt. It was always about Israel getting close to God. Let me repeat that. The exodus was never just about getting Israel out of Egypt. It was always about getting Israel close to God. Our salvation, my salvation, your salvation was never just about getting us into heaven, as wonderful as that is. It was never just about getting us into heaven. It was always about getting us close to someone, God himself. So we are to walk close to him. And look at what God says in verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. So God says to Israel, hey, the whole earth is mine, but you are my treasured possession. That word treasured possession, it literally means royal property. You are my prized possession. When King David, he's planning the building of the temple and it's his son Solomon that will build it. David wants to contribute to it and so he gives his prized possession. He gives from his royal treasury. God is saying to Israel, you are my crown jewel. You are my special treasure. And why were they chosen? Were they chosen because they were so amazingly gifted, so talented, so powerful, so prestigious? Was it because of their genetic makeup? No. They were chosen because God chose to love them. It was because of his everlasting love, because he was keeping his word to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why have you and I been chosen? If we're followers of Jesus, why have we been chosen? You know, we get stressed out. We face a new year and we 
experience anxiety. We face relational conflict. We sin. We get it wrong. Are we chosen because of our righteousness? No. It's because of God's goodness, because of his love. And the truth is that God loves us with a unique and everlasting love. We are on the plane because the Lord has written in our passports treasured possession. My treasure, my special treasure, that's your identity. That's how you got on the plane. The Lord chose you and gave you a new identity because of Jesus. So we've been chosen to walk closely with God. This relationship with God always initiated by him, always beginning with him, and always inviting an obedient response. God says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, literally, if listening you will listen, if you will pay careful attention, if you will listen to my voice and follow, you will enjoy the blessing of redemption. People of Israel, you've already experienced this. On the night of the Passover, I had spoken to you. You were acting in faith. You sacrificed a lamb. You smeared the blood on the doorframe. You sat around a roasted lamb and ate together. You had your belts on, belts fastened, sandals on, walking sticks in hand. You were dressed and ready. You were ready for me to act, to save you, to send you out. And when I saw the blood on your doorframe, I passed over and you walked out of Egypt. You acted in faith. You experienced the blessing of redemption. And this is not just a one-time experience. It is to be a walk of faith, walking in the blessing of your redemption. Remember, you are my treasured possession. I will go with you. The Lord also says in this verse, all the earth is mine. (laughs) Maybe we've heard that verse or that phrase a number of times, all the earth is the Lord's. But if we really understand what that means, it'll change our lives. So for Israel, they're coming out of Egypt where people worship many gods, fickle, egotistical, crazy gods. They're going to another land, Canaan, where people, again, worship many gods. They need to know that the whole world belongs to the one true God. And I wonder sometimes if we need to go through a mindset change. Sometimes we enter the new year and we're just living as if everything depends on us. Everything depends on us and the energy that we can muster. It depends on our intelligence, our will, our discipline. It all rides on us. Do you ever feel that way? It all rides on the world leaders. It rides on the United Nations. History is in their hands. No, it's not. All the earth is the Lord's. History is in his hands. An example of how this can change people. You know, this year, we celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, Uh, October 31st, 1517, was the day that Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to a wall in Germany, and that is considered to be the beginning of the Reformation. 
500 years ago, different Reformation groups were emerging. Just 10 years after that day, in 1527, there was a, a Reformation group called the Anabaptists, the Rebaptizers, and they were gathered in a town called Augsburg, Germany. They were gathered to consider what it meant to follow Jesus in their day. The kings and princes of Europe were saying that they were not permitted to share the gospel. They were not permitted to go to different European countries. They were not permitted to go beyond Europe and share the gospel. That they were to remain quiet. I think this is a good word for us in Canada today, where we are told to be politically correct, and it is offensive to share the good news of Jesus. So these 60 leaders that were gathered in Augsburg, they were reading the scriptures, and one of the verses that they read was Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. As they meditated on that word, they came to the understanding that Europe does not belong to the kings and princes. The kings and princes of Europe actually do not dictate what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We walk under the authority of Jesus, and so as they prayed into that, they mapped out Europe, Switzerland, Germany, Austria, Muslim lands, and they left that place willing to die for Jesus. Mindset change. Do we need to hear that word today, that the earth is the Lord's. They walked out of that meeting with map in hand, Ravi Zacharias. I quoted him a number of weeks ago. He says that when you have the map of God in your heart, you walk with him hand in hand. It's a beautiful picture. There's another Indian leader, David Manuel, who said the following. He said, you know, it's a wonderful thing to follow Jesus, but sometimes he walks on water. So when you follow Jesus, it's a walk of faith. It's actually an adventure. And you can know that if Jesus is walking on water and is inviting you out onto the water, that he will be there to meet with you. That's the excitement of it. We need to know that all the earth belongs to the Lord and that he has given us an identity. We are his treasured possession. That's in our passports. That's why we're on the plane, because of God's work in our lives, and he will carry us and never leave us. We can embrace all that he is calling us to this year. So if we're going to fly, know your identity given by the pilot and pay careful attention to his voice. Know your identity given by the pilot and pay careful attention to his voice. And when we say yes to God, we'll go beyond being a, just a religious category. We will be the people of God, a people of faith, a people that is responding to the voice of God. God has more to say to the people of Israel. He adds to their identity. He talks about an assignment that he is giving them. Verse 6, chapter 19, verse 6 of Exodus, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God had already told them who he was. Now he says a bit more about who they are. He provides the reason for their existence. They're a precious people, and they have a special purpose, a special mission. They've been chosen from the nations for the 
nations. They are to be a holy people. Holy, of course, means belonging to God. The way that they live, the way that they speak, the way that they relate to each other, they are to be a showcase before the nations of who God is, the true God, what it means to be in relationship with him. A holy nation. A kingdom of priests. Not just a few priests, a kingdom of priests. So as they worship, as they make sacrifices, as they pray, interceding for the nations, as they live, as they speak, being a testimony to God's truth, as they receive the revelation of God, writing it down, and in the fullness of time, people from around the world being able to read the word of God, a kingdom of priests, never a people that just lives for itself, always living for God and his purposes in the world. They are able to resent God in the world because of their calling, his calling on their lives. Now, when you read the Old Testament, you realize that Israel falls so far short of its calling. But the beautiful thing is, God is faithful. So even in their darkest moment, when they're in Babylonian exile, God confirms his word to Israel that they will be a light to the Gentiles. And the day comes when the Father sends Jesus. Jesus came through Israel. Jesus makes the call universal to the nations. This call to the nations is renewed. He gives his life. He goes to the cross, dies on behalf of humanity, and opens the way into the Father's presence. He redeems a people, the church. And his disciple, Peter, the Apostle Peter, when he writes his first letter, he takes all of those terms that are applied to Israel and he reapplies them to the church. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we, we Gentile believers from all over the world, Jewish and Gentile, we are God's treasured possession, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation. That is who we are, who we are called to be in the world today. Do you understand what it means to be a priest? Do you see yourself as a priest, as a carrier of God's presence, of a person that God is sending into the world today to serve him, to worship him, no matter where you might be? Let me give you an example of that. Um, just a few months ago, I um, heard a story about a friend of mine, Paul. Paul, retired, about 70 years of age, wanted to be helpful. So volunteered with the Salvation Army. And it was Christmas time, and he was ringing the bells. He had the bucket in front of a store in Surrey. As he's ringing the bells, a young man shows up, visibly distraught. And the man takes 
all of the money in his pockets, empties his pockets, throws all that he has into the bucket. And Paul notices his condition and he says, hey, young man, what's going on? And the young man says, I've been on the streets for years. I'm strung out on drugs. I'm confused. I can't go home. He's just despairing. And Paul says, hey, your story reminds me of another story. And Paul told him the story of the prodigal son and ended by saying, young man, it's never too late to go home. The young man, he shows some interest in going home, and so Paul makes arrangements for him to go home, gives him his card. He never sees him again. Years later, Paul's daughter, she's a school teacher, and she's talking to some other school teachers. A fellow teacher comes up to her and says, Are you the daughter of this man here on the card? Are you Paul's daughter? And she said, yes. And this mother said, you know, my son, he was on the streets in Surrey. We hadn't seen him for years. Your dad met him and sent him home. My son went into rehab. He's never gone back to drugs. He's married. He's a changed man. God put a priest in the way of that son. He'd been considering suicide that day. That's something that any one of us can do, right? Just be a priest wherever we are. The calling is not just for a couple of pastors at Willingdon. It's for every disciple of Jesus. Just imagine... If all of us that were listening to this message today live and online, if all of us would embrace our calling, the calling given by Jesus, to be priests in the world, if we truly were a kingdom of priests, imagine if we really embraced our identity in Jesus, that we are his treasured possession, that he has promised to be with us, that he will not leave us. If we walked out with that kind of faith, Jesus will be with me. No matter what I go through this week, Jesus will be with me. And he'll not only have a word for me as I go and meet with him, but he will have things for me to do. I will be a priest, a vessel in his hands, and he will use me to touch others, to bless others, to speak a word of hope, to redirect others for his glory. If you're going to fly with us, know why you were called to fly and live it. If you're going to fly with us at Willingdon, know why you were called to fly and live it. Live it. We live in a world that is desperate for priests, desperate for people that know Jesus, that have a word of hope. And so I call you In the name of Jesus, know the pilot. Commit to know the pilot this year. Separate time. Find a place. Sit in his word. Immerse yourself in his presence and hear God's voice. And follow. Obey. Fly with him.
This can be the most exciting year we have ever lived. So much is happening in the world today. People are desperate for hope. We are the carriers of the presence of God. May we never forget that. We were not saved just to get to heaven. We were saved to meet God here and be faithful to obey his voice today. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. So, Father, we thank you for buying us back through Jesus. Thank you. It's by your grace. We don't deserve to be here, but here we are. In all of our weakness and our failings, thank you, Lord, that you are present to draw us to yourself. Thank you for your word. May we hear your word. May we follow your word. May we trust in you as we live this day, as we enter the week, as we begin the new school year, Lord. May we walk with faith in you. Thank you that you will be faithful to your word. Thank you that you will never leave us. Thank you that you go before us, that you fight for us. May we go forward with that confidence. Thank you for your calling on our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that wherever they are this week, that they would be your priests, carriers of your presence. We trust you for your work among us, and I pray your blessing on them. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Enjoy the festival out there. God bless you.